at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello and welcome to the, uh, episode 69 of the It's About the Yankees Stupid Podcast. My name is EJ Fagan and tonight I'm joined by Stacey Gatsoulias. Hey everyone. And uh, our, our newest writer, or one of our new uh, batch of writers on the blog, uh, everybody, uh, everybody please welcome Jim Carruthers. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Jim, welcome to the blog and the podcast. Yeah man, excited. Yeah, yeah. It, this is the, the first time that either of us are talking to you and... Uh, and uh, it's good to hear. Jim, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, as I admitted to uh, you and uh, Dom kind of right away, I am not a professional writer. I'm an engineer. Uh, I, I really work in the aerospace industry, and I am a mid-90s and beyond Yankee fan. Uh, I date back to Showalter, so that's kind of where my timeline starts. And admittedly, since I look at numbers and data all day, I actually tend to focus on the soft stuff uh, for baseball a little bit, um, kind of like fantasizing about how Didi Gregorius could throw through a wall if uh, if needed, or uh, imagining uh, you know, Gary Sanchez as a minotaur, like that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> as a, I, let, I let you guys do the, the war and ISO and all that stuff, and I focus on the other things. That's good. I think the, don't worry about not being a professional writer. The only professional writer here is Stacy. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Stacy has been writing some cool stuff lately. Stacy, uh, so you're starring an advice column. Oh, <laughs> as a goof because I'm having trouble. You know, it's hard to come up with stuff to write about in the off season when nothing's really happening. And a friend of mine suggested that I do like a fake Dear Abby and call it Dear Stacy, and. You know, when she suggested it, it just clicked in my head. I said, all right. And it took me about 25 minutes. And I gave uh, advice to um, Hal Steinbrenner, the Red Sox, <laughs> the Mets, um, Mark Trumbo, and Jose Bautista. And it was, you know, highly obnoxious because I can be that way. And uh, it looks like it's turning into a series. So I'll probably do it monthly. I read the first column. It's wonderful. Thank it's you. great. I, I mean, I, I laughed the second I saw it. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're, we want to start off just kind of, kind of getting the lay of the land, uh, land of Jim and we'll be doing this kind of, we're going to be bringing out all of our new writers. We just brought on, I think four, four and a half new writers, um, to the blog, uh, which essentially triples our, our active writing population. Um, but, uh, uh, so we should get a lot more content up there and hopefully everybody will be coming on the podcast semi-regularly. So I'm going to ask the same questions to everybody, try to get a lay of the land of, of, of kind of your feel for baseball. So, so Jim, I'm going to, going to throw these hardball questions at you if you're ready. Yeah, I'm sweating over here. All right. And, and Stace, if you want to answer these, go for it. Jim, no, okay. if you could buy one nineties era Yankee Jersey, what would it be? I would always say, uh, Charlie Hayes. Um, Charlie Hayes. Wow. Uh, and it's, I, I liked him, you know, cause he kind of was, was Yankee, went away, then came back and then we won the 96. And, uh, I remember I fell asleep during the game, the game six of 96 and I woke up to Charlie Hayes catching the pop-up to win it. Um, so I had just a, a soft spot for him. 
he looks he looked really happy when he caught that pop up, like oh a little schoolboy kind of. Yeah, you know. He was the man, and he yeah. also looked like a guy that you might meet like day to day at the um, bar. Yeah, yeah anywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I'm uh, Charlie Hayes. That that whole '96 team had a lot a lot of personality, kind of in the way that I think the uh, the '98 and later teams started to, started to kind of lack. Yeah. Stacy, I'm curious, which jersey would you buy? Well, I just want to bring up the fact that I was in a bar when Charlie Hayes caught that damn ball. Which bar you were you in? I was in the Old City Hall up in Oswego, New York. <laughs> My friend and I got um they you know, I mean it was a college bar, so we got two plastic seats and one of those plastic like little tables and parked ourselves in front of a TV in the corner, watched the game, and by like the sixth or seventh inning, guys started coming over to us and they're like wait, are you really watching this? I'm like, yes, I'm really watching this. Like, what do you think I'm doing? Because, you know, 20 years ago. Because girls can't watch baseball? Or? Yeah, girls don't know about baseball. Um, and, you know, Hayes caught the ball. I jumped up in the air, and this dude, who I still don't even know what his name is to this day, picked me up and spun me around. Oh. It was like, I mean, I was so happy I didn't care, but <laughs> it was just like, okay, put me down now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, for, so, so Stacy, you gotta, you gotta pick a jersey. Oh God. Who are you buying? Who the hell would I? Mm, probably Bernie. Bernie, I think it's a good choice. Fifty-one is a nice number too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice. Personally, for me, I'm buying forty-two. Nice. Um, I'm a huge okay. Mariano Rivera fan, and I like the fact that it also doubles as a Jackie Robinson jersey. Um, but moving on, uh, Jim, should Roger Clemens be admitted to the Hall of Fame? Oh my God! You should have, yeah. First ballot, no question. First ballot, no question. All right. So, so you you are generally generally uh, in favor of putting the steroids guys guys in. Yeah, I just think it's really convenient that, like, like first off, like ninety eight was like the best year ever for baseball, hmm. um, and like it, I just think it's crazy to not not let those guys in. Like everybody watched, everybody hung on every game. I mean the McGuire Sosa thing was happening and just like pretending it didn't happen. Like we have like this shrine in Cooperstown and, and these our favorite players just aren't in it. I, I don't get it. Um, it's, and I also, I mean, I outlined to you and, and Dom, I think, you know, we have, like baseball has got like a really convenient uh, agreement with rules. Like it's like, there's some rules that just can't be broken, but then some rules, even if they're written down, it's kind of encouraged or like it makes you a, a better ball player if you're willing to break them and not get caught um so i just i I don't understand where you draw the line and it's not like he was pitching to guys that weren't on the juice either so um yeah you're you're definitely preaching to the choir here on this podcast i think oh yeah Um, moving on all right so there's been a number of rule changes discussed or uh or just theoretically imagined by some people uh so if uh if if you're if you're rob manfred you uh, i'm gonna give you some rule change scenarios tell me if you're in favor of them Uh, some kind of rule preventing infield shifts i don't hate that actually um yeah i'd I'd be i'd be moderate i'd be i'd be willing to be convinced yeah me me too i think it depends on the rule yeah um stacy i'm stacy would you be in favor of a uh uh, of an infield shift rule yes because i can't stand them um, I mean, I mean, they should be allowed, but I mean, there should be some sort of, I don't know. See, I don't know how this would work. Like, it's not like you could say, oh, you're only allowed to do five infield, um, shifts a game because that's kind of dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. That's but dumb. I just, I just hate them so much because we have a bunch of players who 
constantly. Well, actually, no, we got rid of two players who constantly hit into the shift, uh, McCann and Teixeira. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what they could do, how they could possibly do something about that. I mean, I think that baseball should be encouraging um, athletic play, right? I want to see the web gem. I mean, that to me, that's like maximizing web gems should be a goal of baseball. And infield shifts, I think, just lend themselves to that those kind of plays not happening. Um, so personally, I'm fine with like a like a box that every fielder, at least every infielder, has to be in when the pitch is delivered. Totally agree. And I think if you look at a lot of other sports, they've had a lot of success with standardizing formations, at least to start for you know for balance purposes. I don't I don't know why baseball has to um, take this, or some people have to take the stance that you, it just can't happen. I, I don't get it. I agree, and it's not like baseball doesn't have this rule for catchers, for instance, right? And, yeah. and there's other there's other rules like you have the you know the line down first base, which isn't the same, but it's it's similar in some way. There's a prevention of there's there's some restriction of freedom on the game. Um, but let's let's move on. All right, so you're Rob Manfred. Somebody has decreed that that we need to homogenize baseball rules. You either go to no DH for everybody or DH for everybody. Which one do you go for? Uh, all DH all the time. Why? <laughs> well, because I, I don't want to. So first off, Chiming Wong got hurt rounding the bases at the trot, and I'll never forgive the National mm. League for that. And um, second, I, I just think like the minor leagues, like you kind of have to do what your like talent base is programmed for you. And the minor leagues is not funneling well-rounded athletes at the pitcher position the way it did, you know, back before the first big war. So uh, I just don't know why you would want to pay to watch pitchers. Uh, be in for the first, you know, five and two thirds innings at, and get two at bats um, and either strike out bunting or, you know, and pray that you don't get hit by a, a straight curveball or something. Stacy, DH. DH, yeah. I'm with you guys too. I think I want to watch people do what they're good at. And uh, there are some pitchers who are good at hitting, but most of them are just pathetic. Yeah. Um, so moving on. So um, I think last but not least, you know, the uh, – um, MLB has considered a, a number of pace of play rule changes. Um, so if you were given a, 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 um, a rule that said no more than two um, pitchers in one inning, uh, so that could be the pitcher who started the inning, it could be a pitcher that comes into the inning, absent injury, so injury you can replace some guys. Would you have the no more than two pitchers per inning rule? Uh, I would not. Um, I would actually have the no warm-up pitches, pitchers, uh, pitches for the relief pitcher rule. That's, that's I my like preference. That. I like that a lot. That's interesting. That's. I have another pitching rule for you, but I'll save it for later. But I, I just don't. I, I don't think you know. Well, Tony Larusa would. You know, you'd probably be cost. I would cost him a two World Series if he could have more than one reliever. And also, <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessarily slowing down the game. Um, if they came in ready, I mean, they're they're thrown in the bullpen for a half hour. It, you know, they're adults. They they can be ready when they get onto the big diamond. So, Stacy. Now what's the rule? What's what are they? So talking? no more, than, uh, no more than two pitchers per inning. So you can bring in a you bring in the person who starts the inning, and then you can change pitchers once. I think Joe Girardi would have like some sort of a fit. Yeah. If yeah, well, I yeah the the Yankees I think would actually come out fairly well with these rules just because of their the current bullpen is so good. Um, but yeah, you know, we have to think more lo- longer term than that. Personally, I actually I like Jim's rule. Um, because you know it, it it still gives you the option of bringing in a, a relief pitcher in the middle of the inning or as many relief pitchers as you want, but there's actually a cost to it that they don't get used to the mound. First pitch they throw has to be um, has to be a real pitch. 
And so, you know, without those warm-up pitches, I think that you not only, you know, you you you, know, you have to really have warmed a guy up, so it's it's harder to bring a guy in very quickly. Um, so, you know, there's a cost there. But also, you know, you, you're risking a pitcher who's not used to that mound. Um, you can still bring them in, but you have to make that, that calculation. So I think that's I think it's a good rule. I like that a lot. I think it also it helps discourage the stall, which is my least favorite thing. Oh yeah, uh, I hate yeah. that when they just start milking. Um, you know, David David Price sitting out there, you know, with two minutes between pitches or whatever. I just I don't like it. All right, last but not least, would you keep instant replay? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it, like think about like the perfect game that we lost a couple years ago. I just that makes me sick that 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 happened and everybody knew it was a problem and we didn't fix it and we could have fixed it. Modify instant replay in some way. I mean, I don't know why it it why we need everybody to huddle up around like a nineteen seventies like CB radio. <laughs> why can't he just have an earpiece or I don't know. I, I think that we could in, you know we could better include some technology to speed it up so I don't have to watch these guys run run across the field because they're not really built for running. So that would, that would be my vote. Stacy. Um, I like instant replay because it bugs the shit out of Michael K. <laughs> 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 and well. anything that bugs the shit out of Michael K is a okay with me. Remind me not to get in your bad side. Um, <laughs> the, uh, see, I, I, I think there's something wrong with instant replay. And I think it's just not fast enough. Well, yeah. I want I want drama in the game. I want I want some kind of finality. And so what I the rule I would have is that you have X number of seconds, next being very small, to throw a challenge flag on the field. And yeah. so so you get the you get the dramatic action. You get Joe Girardi like tossing the flag, right? I think that that self is is fun. Um, but also they don't get a chance to sit and wait and think about it and call back to the dugout and. You know, I I think the the compromise is to not allow them to call back to the dugout, but I just don't think that's a, a useful solution. I mean, I I think they'll they'll find ways to communicate with their people, um, and um, and I think it, I think a challenge flag is just solves that problem. Now I have a question: Do either of you watch football? I do not. Oh yeah, all the time. Now, do you agree that baseball's instant replay and review system is a little better than NFL? Because it feels like NFL is constantly reviewing things. NFL is bad. College is also bad. Right. Um, hockey's <laughs> probably got it the best. Yes, hockey is, yeah. yeah. I would agree. Well, hockey has, a, has limited circumstances, very limited circumstances in which you can call for the replay. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, it's almost equivalent to baseball's old, like, only at home run calls thing, which I didn't like. Um, but yeah, so I, I, to me, the problem with instant replay is, is less pace of game than it is that finality. Oh. That it just eliminates some of the drama of, of, the, of what you're watching. I have something. Okay. Sure. I was getting bothered by um, the challenges at second when a guy would like get off the oh, bank for yeah, like no, a second, yeah. and or even at third, like those kind of challenges kind of annoy me just because. I mean, you know, it is hard for the ump to see it in real time, or you know, especially depending on the angle he has, and I, I just feel like that's nitpicky, and I feel like that that challenge is slowing down the game because i mean i feel like they were challenging things at second base in like every single playoff game and it was like annoying yeah i definitely agree with that i also think it opens up the door for like like second baseman and shortstops to push hands off the bag on stolen bases and, mm-hmm. and then it's like who says what you know is actually right i i think that yeah defer to the ump on that one yeah i agree completely um so actually let me give a final one so let's say 
that it becomes fairly fluid to use a robo-ump to call balls and strikes. Would we, would, should we use a robo-ump to call balls and strikes? Oh, man. It's a I, tough one. You know, I think if they called the low strike right, I would say no. Um, my, my biggest pet peeve with the current umpires is, like, they, they can't understand, like, elevation on the ball. So if a guy throws a really nasty curveball that crosses at front knee, they won't call it. They never call it. Um, and I think the robo-omp would take that out of play. It, mm -hmm. Either that or you could go to the wiffle ball school of thought and just have the basket up on the chair. And that would be okay, too. I, either one of those would be all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally, I'm in favor of robo-omps. Um, I, I, I think the... Uh, I think we, there's there's a problem. I think pitch framing kind of exposed the the flaws of um, of umpires, and how I mean, luckily the umpires kind of started to fix this. But how very large sh like changes can can occur from a from a from a catcher essentially fooling an ump, yeah, or not being very good at fooling an ump you know, on the other side, and um, yeah, they're they're human beings and they're trying to judge something that's very very difficult to judge, um, but uh, um, I think that the pay that they getting it fluid into the game is the Excuse me, is the hard part. Uh, Stacy, what do you think about robo-omps? Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I mean, they would have to really be perfect. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't see that happening anytime soon, if it's even a possibility. The one thing I don't like about the umpires is the fact that they all have different strike zones. And... They don't adhere to the natural strike zone. Most of them don't. And it, it's, it, I don't know. It just takes away from the game sometimes because you kind of know how certain umpires work and you're like, oh, great. He's never going to, you know, call the outside corner. He's not going to do this. And I just wish that they would adhere to the natural strike zone more. I mean, especially when it's a broadcast when they have the strike zone on the screen. Mm hmm and you're like, no, look, the, the the God just told me that you're wrong. I can see it right here, <laughs> and 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 you just called that a ball, right? Like that that to, that to me is like exposes the flaw there. I think you have to get rid of that box, frankly. Yeah, those boxes uh, are uh, way too intrusive in the broadcast. Which I think it was TBS's that was really. Oh, that was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so I want to move on. So the only actual Yankee news we have is the least newsy of Yankee news possible. Um, so, um, the Yankee, uh, Brian Cashman, um, uh, according to Jack Curry on, on, on Twitter, uh, declared that the Yankees are 99% likely that they won't, are 99% are 90, likely to be done for the off season. He does not anticipate any future moves. They pursued Jose Quintana, but found that the asking price was too high. Um, so I've got kind of two questions for this. So, um, number one, uh, do we believe Brian Cashman? Is this a Bubba Crosby in center field moment? Um, or do you think the Yankees are almost definitely going into the spring training without another, you know, big time major league signing? And I'll, I'll, I'll let me define big time. Um, more uh, uh, any a trade for any kind of meaningful starting pitcher, or uh, signing any starting pitcher to more than a one year five million dollar contract. Jim, what do you think? I think I don't see the big the big contract happening. I mean, I see the, like the one year deal, like bargain bin type stuff, maybe. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that the big deal does not happen. I do agree with you, your instincts, though, that he's likely full of it because he's he's probably always dealing. Um, but I just think 
if you look at the team, they're really in a weird place. I think uh, you guys talked about it a couple podcasts ago. They're not they're not really one piece away from becoming a major contender. Um, so I don't see the mega deal happening. But um, Hashman has been prone to go, you know, bargain shopping and, and picking up guys on one of your deals, and you know, we could end up with Aaron Small again in the rotation if he, you know, makes it through spring training. Okay, so I, we could see something like that. Stacy, yeah, I'd agree. I agree that he's probably lying, and but that it wouldn't be something really big. Like I believe that they really want to keep all those prospects that they got, and that they don't want to part with, especially the elite ones. Um, and you know, I don't see a big deal happening, but something, something. I was going to say something out of left field. But I feel like um, <laughs> the anniversary of the um, Hiroki Kuroda signing and the Pineda deal are coming up because that all happened around January 13th of that year. Mm. This Friday is Friday the 13th again, so you never know. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Yeah, the uh, uh, fun fact, I, I for the longest time, I still volunteer there, but I worked for the uh, summer camp where the original Friday, Friday the 13th was filmed. Oh my God! Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, if if any of you guys are fans of Friday the Thirteenth and watching it, please don't visit the camp. This <laughs> way, <laughs> people who are still diehard fans of that terrible movie are very weird. Um, the uh, I, I just I, I I think that there's something big coming. I, I think, or at least I think that once prices come down a little bit, I think the the Yankees kind of re-enter. Um, there's a, an awful lot of kind of okay but not great starting pitchers available. Uh, on the market, right? Jason Hamill is still out there. Doug Fister is still out there. Scott Feldman is still out there. Colby Lewis is still out there. I mean, even guys like Ryan Vogelsong. I don't know if they're more than $5 million, um, but at least some of them, I think, would would definitely be. Um, and I also think that, you know, I mean, Jose Quintana is, is and we're going to talk about him in a second, but is, um, is, is one name that, you know, I don't think has to get traded at this point, but I, I do think that there are other trader, tradable starting pitchers out there, people that, that teams are considering uh, moving. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's there's a there's a chance. And the Yankees certainly need a starting pitcher, I think. They've got a lot of replacement level guys. Um, they've got probably five guys for that bottom back, you know, back two rotation spots. Um, but if, you know, if, if anybody gets injured, the Yankees are, are in trouble, really, for starting pitching um, pretty quickly. Um, Can I jump in on, just on the side of that? Um, sure. I think... Um, Stacy had mentioned out of left field. I actually could see before spring training wrapping up, I could see a situation situations where Gardy gets moved. And I love Gardy. Um, but I could see him packaged as some type of like preemptive strike to line up salary and also free up a spot because Brian Cashman's in love with Aaron Hicks. Um, huh. I, I just, I, I think that he's got, he's got two people that he thinks he needs to have playing time in the outfield for with Hicks and judge. And they can't move Ellsbury, so I, I just I—that's the one thing I could see. It's not a mega deal because he's not, you know, he's not the same Brett Gardner. He is charming, but he's not the same player, and uh, that—that's something I could see happening. Um. So, so the second half of this is that the the big name the Yankees have been connected to has been Jose Quintana. As we said before, Cashman said that the price for him was too high. They were looking for three elite prospects, um, and there's been a bit, a bit of a debate on our blog, which I think has been interesting about um, whether or not the Yankees should um, uh, should sign Jose Quintana, um, or I'm sorry, should trade for Jose Quintana. Uh, Derek, who's another one of our new writers, hopefully will be on the podcast um, in the next couple of weeks, um, 
basically show that Quintana is a two-win upgrade over over what the Yankees have. The Yankees have a lot of okay but not great you know pitchers who who, who Quintana would be replacing. And uh, and you know two wins you know isn't is probably not going to make or break the Yankees playoff season this year. The Yankees are right now kind of in line for an 80 to 85 win team and then you kind of bring that to an 82 to 87 win team either way you know you're, you're still talking about a wild card at best especially with the Red Sox being so strong this year and um, Scott who um, who on this podcast has, has like me been very very much in favor of trading for Quintana um, read that post and said Derek persuaded me I don't think we should trade um, you know three type you know of our best prospects for Jose Quintana um, we'll go for Jim first. Jim, do you think the Yankees should trade for Jose Quintana? I would say no. I, I kind of, I think trading for Quintana is kind of like trying to chase a cab. Like it's, um, I was looking back like, cause I, I, I thought this might come up. And if you look at like the, the Yankees core dynasty years and you actually go through like, and just look at high level, just look at war for their pitchers. Um, they had like one guy in the top 10 of war. Um, from 98 to 2000. And it was David Cohn in 98 when he threw a perfect game. And um, I just don't think, like, I think that's a that's a pitcher that you commit to if you develop him. But if you're going to give up three, you know, medium to high ceiling prospects for him, I think you're giving up too much. Because especially where the Yankees are right now, they're, they're not in a position where they're signing big free agents. And they need to have... Girardi needs options in the lineup to be able to manufacture wins, and we can't do that if we're you know kind of giving up our our, our developing resources, uh, you know, before they realize their value. Stacy, what do you think? Um, I don't think they should do it. Because, wow, I'm I'm in the minority here. Well, I just feel like, uh it's not going to be enough to get them into the playoffs. And they're not really, from what they were saying, they're not really trying to get into the playoffs this year. I mean, you know, not with the way the team is currently constructed and even adding him wouldn't push them over the top. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from CC. Um, you don't know if Tanaka's elbow is not going to explode. Um, and Pineda, oh, I mean, who knows what the hell's happening with him. So I just feel like it would be, um, I don't know. I, I don't think they should go after him now. I think they should wait if they can. See, I, I, I here's where I disagree. I think the I think the Yankees, if if given the opportunity to, to get Quintana for a package, it's like you know, let's say um, Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, and uh, James Caprielian or something like that. Um, for that for that package, I, I I take Quintana, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that he's still young. He's on the upswing, even 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 though he's been around for a while. His velocity's been increasing. He just had one of his better major league seasons. Um, he's been very very consistent. He signed for four more years. He'll be you know the Yankees will have him essentially through four prime years of his career. Um, he's got American League experience in a tough ballpark, so you don't have to worry about any of those kind of factors. Um, and he's a lefty in Yankee Stadium, which is better than being a righty in Yankee Stadium at least, even though it's still still going to be a bandbox. I think all these factors point to him being successful for for many seasons. The Yankees are going to need starters this season. They're going to need many, many starters next season. They have, again, no starters under guaranteed contract for next season. Um, They're going to need starters in the season after that and after that and et cetera, right? And, um, you know, Quintana 
is, you know, as much as the other guy is still going to be an asset a year or two into that contract. So if things aren't going well for the Yankees, if their current patch of you know, young players turns bad and they, they're not ready to contend in 2018, 2019, they can trade them. That, that asset still exists and they, they still have the ability to do that. Um, but if they are good, they're, they probably need a player like Quintana um, in order to make this into a true contending team. Um, and I, I think that although uh, the Yankees probably aren't making the playoffs this season, even with Quintana, um, or they're probably you know, at least a wildcard team even with Quintana, you know, there are there are situations where there you can foresee the Yankees putting together a good enough season where you know at the trade deadline they are real playoff contenders. They get they get a chance to add some players, um, and Quintana and, and and that gets a lot easier with Quintana replacing Chad Green or Luis Severino or somebody like that. Um, and I think again I think he's pretty safe. So I, I don't think you're I don't think you're really risking a lot um, by doing that, assuming you're getting them at essentially market value. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the Yankees, these, these, the players, the Yankees have in the minors are good. Labor Torres and, and Clint Frazier are very good prospects. Um, but what's the, I don't know what the probability is that either of them are four to five win players like Quintana is, you know, over the next three or four years, you know, uh, is that probability 40% each? Is it 30% each? I don't know. I, but I think it's, I think it's fairly low. And so, um, you know, you're you're trading, you know, for a, a safe, very good asset, which means that you you I think you should you know give uh, you should be willing to pay that prospect price. You know what it kind of feels like though? It it kind of feels like Javi Vasquez, and yeah. that's why I get sick when I think about giving up Glover Torres for him, just right. just because of that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I get that it feels like Javi Vasquez, but like Javi Vasquez didn't work out. But Javi Vasquez should have worked out, right? Like Javi Vasquez was a good bet. It just, we, it just, he wasn't good with the Yankees. Um, and, and for you know, for what it's worth, um, you know, he's a you know, um, Jose Quintana is a more consistent player than than um, than Javi Vasquez. So you know, I I am I'm a little more optimistic about that. And I'm just kind of looking, trying to remember who we traded for Javi Vasquez as we as I as I stall here. I mean, we traded Javi, for, for, right, for Javi Vasquez, we traded in 2003, Randy Choate, uh, uh, Nick Johnson, and Juan Rivera, right? That, we kind of won that trade, um, or at least, at least we didn't lose terribly in that trade. I mean, we, got, we essentially got Randy Johnson um, in exchange for him a year later. Um, so, you know, I, I still don't think that's a bad, that's a bad deal. I mean, even after, even after a disaster season, the Yankees, there was real value in Javi Vasquez, um, you know, on the trade market a year later. The only thing about that, like, just to be devil's advocate, like, there we traded for Nick Johnson like three years after that, or whatever it was, or we signed him. And there were definitely times because that was the those were the Giambi years, and having a person like Nick Johnson available to the organization when Giambi couldn't throw to second, um, hey, would I have been to a beneficial. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> But and that's the type of depth that I think you'd be sacrificing. Like when when Starlin Castro inevitably like loses his way, having Torres in the in the system to either move Didi to second or have Torres go to second, I think could be meaningful for us as opposed to having a B plus A minus pitcher. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that's a reasonable stance. I just I, I just I think the. Um, I don't know how many other opportunities for a Jose Quintana-like trade will occur. 
over the next couple of years. Mm. Um, you know, if you kind of look out there and you kind of think of the last three or four years, you know, I, I think the most comparable player to Quintana is Cole Hamels. And you know, there there's there was a Cole Hamels trade and it took a while and you know the the Phillies got a you know a decent return for Cole Hamels. Um, but I I don't know how many other times that that comes up. And and the Yankees have the assets to make that trade. And I think that they are they're certainly more win now than most rebuilding teams. Um, you know, the Yankees you know are with Quintana are probably again an eighty two to eighty seven win team next year, which I think is essentially a playoff team. They'll they'll be a you know, one of the top six or seven teams in the American League. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's a good place to, to stop it. Is there anything more you guys want to say? Uh, Stacy, is your is your advice column going to involve uh, what to do if a player walks into my locker room and starts cutting up my third jerseys? I did that. Yes, you I did. already, answered, I already oh, did that. Oh, okay, well there we go because because you know that's going to come up in Boston. Wait, hold uh, on. <laughs> They, they, they have their third jerseys and they're kind well, of dumb. Quickly, I'll quickly read that portion to you because I was actually very proud of it. <laughs> well, let's go for it, Stacy. Okay. Hold on. It's taking – oh, here it is. Okay. It's taking me forever to load. That's right. We're just stalling for radio right now. It's good. <laughs> okay. Jim, how's the weather in uh, in Jersey? Where, where are you at? Anyway? Where, do you li- where are you living? I'm in Philly. Uh, Philly. I never wanted to live in Pennsylvania, and then I went to school there, worked there, and married a woman from Philadelphia. Now I'm never leaving, I think. So – that's where I am. That's right. I never thought I'd move to Texas, and here I am. You are, Texas brought you purpose, though, right? Aren't you getting a PhD? Yeah, yeah. It uh, they, they made the best offer, so I took the uh, uh, took it up here and took it up here in Texas. And I've, I've been lived here for about three years. And um, I mean, I'm living in Austin, which is basically Hoboken, yeah, um, <laughs> so, or, or Brooklyn. Uh, so, Stacy, are you ready yet? Yes. Okay. Yes, stalled. Go. <laughs> The title is, because you know how Dear Abby, they put the title for who's writing. So, Anger Problems oh. Involving Sharp Objects. Dear Stacy, we just traded for a player who is really good at what he does. He's a Cy Young caliber pitcher, but he has exhibited rather frightening anger issues involving scissors in the past. <laughs> We're a little worried that if we suggest that he wears a throwback uniform on his start day, that he'll try to chop up our poor mascot. What do we do? Signed, Anger Problems, Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> Dear Anger Problems, hide your scissors, hide your silverware, and whatever you do, do not make this player wear uniforms he possibly wouldn't like. Make him happy by all means necessary. He is your new ace, and you should treat him as such. Hope this helps. Well, that is wonderful. <laughs> uh, so on that note, I'm going to say uh, goodbye for Stacy and Jim. I hope everybody has a great night. We'll be back hopefully at some point next week. we got kind of a busy schedule next week uh, with this podcast. If there's any kind of big breaking news, I think we, we probably will uh, we'll try to record an emergency podcast uh, when it happens. But uh, for now, you know, enjoy your last couple of weeks without, uh, without baseball. And then uh, uh, we're, we're going to probably start previewing spring training coming up. So- at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. 
from delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.